Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle, it's John Lamoureux. Okay, this week we are talking to guitarist Randy Jacobs. Now Randy has done a ton of things in his career. It goes back like 40 years, over 40 years. And I've wa- he's worked with so many people. And as you guys know, it is always so fun to bring people like him on here because we get to hear all the stories about all the different people he's collaborated with. Well, that's one of the main reasons I wanted to talk to him. The other is because he was a member of Was Not Was. You guys remember Was Not Was? He co-wrote Walk the Dinosaur, which you're listening to right here. Everyone remembers this song from, I think it was 1989. Uh, Big hit. I just have always thought, what is the real deal with Was Not Was? They're, They're kind of a super group, kind of this weird pop pastiche. There's serious songs, there's strange songs, there's funny songs. They collaborate with everybody. What is the deal? So I wanted to hear this, you know, straight from the horse's mouth, what it's like being in Was Not Was. Now, along the way, he collaborated with people like Michael Henderson, Bonnie Raitt, uh, Paul Kelly. You guys know I love those people. And he and uh, Was Not Was vocalist Sweet P. Atkinson went off and formed the Bone Shakers. And he's been doing the Bone Shakers for years. Sweet P's not as involved anymore. Now, uh... They're fronted by saxophonist Mindy Abair. And so they're, they just put out a brand new album a couple of weeks ago called No Good Deed. And so he's on here to talk about, you know, his time in Was Not Was, what's going on with the Bone Shakers, how that all even happened. And then, of course, we talk about all those collaborations, like the ones I already mentioned. There's also Tears for Fears are in there. Seal is in there. Bruce Hornsby is in there. Anyway, so many people I love. Uh, anyway, I thought this might be a really interesting conversation. We always love to hear from people like Randy because they've done so much and are so full of great stories. So I hope you guys enjoy this too. He called me from his home in Gilroy, California. I'm really excited to talk with you specifically, Randy, because I have, so I've been doing this for a little over four years now and, uh, over 250 shows and I've been wanting to feature somebody who could tell me the was not was story because I just find them to be one of the most fascinating fascinating but also kind of mysterious supergroups ever put together and uh so I'm curious let's you know let's kind of start from the beginning for you anyway you weren't a part of that first album but you did come on for born to laugh at tornadoes correct mm-hmm. yeah okay. I came in be- like they had cut that after they did that record, and it's a funny thing. I 
I could have been on that record. And it's a funny, it's a funny thing. There was a guy who was working playing drums for them, and he, and they go, "Does he? Hey, man, is he Jewish guys, man? They don't know what the fuck they're doing. But man, we, you know, hey, man, you can you can like you can like make money off of them. And the only when somebody says that to me, I stay away, right? So yeah. so one so one night I met there's a studio they were working at it was Sound Suite, basically in Detroit. You know, not mm-hmm. not the most nicest neighborhood, but a great <laughs> studio. You know, the guys are put together there. Um, and Don had a deal, and David had what well, they had a deal so that after it closed, they could come in and work on this record. And they sort of had a production deal with the with the studio owner and another guy named Jack Tan. And the idea is that they were going to cut this, you know, work on this project and and whatever, and and see it to fruition or whatever. Mm-hmm. But anyway, one night I'm working with another guy from Detroit named Michael Henderson. Love him. Who was, who Love was Michael Henderson. the bass player for Miles Davis and mm-hmm. all that. He was like sort of my first big gig out of high school. You know what I mean? It was like, you yeah. know, so I was cutting with him. And and I I came in that morning. Don had probably been in there all night, you know, doing whatever he was doing. Because he was, he was sort of at the forefront of 12-inch mixes. Mm-hmm. So he was... To, to make ends, he was doing that kind of thing. Don was, you know, doing 12-inch mixes and stuff. Before, people were really doing that for things in Europe and stuff like that. And uh, it was funny. I, I went in, and he and he said, oh, you're Randy. You know, I heard a lot about you and blah, blah, this and that. He said, yeah, you you got that hit hit song with Michael. How'd you guys get a hit song? You know, it was like a question that no one can ever answer, right? <laughs> right. We don't, we, don't know, we don't know how that stuff happens. And which song are we talking about, Wide Receiver? Yeah. Yeah, okay. And he good. was asking me about that and stuff like that. And then um, he asked me to come in and play on on a Christmas song that they were working on called, you know, uh, Motor City and uh, Christmas in the Motor City or something mm-hmm. like that. And he, we talked about the influences that we had and what we were trying to achieve. You know, Frank Zappa and all this different stuff. You know, Ornette Coleman and mm-hmm. all this stuff. You tr- you know, and then you know, funk and rock, you know, all the stuff you're trying to incorporate. But that was my first song I ever played for on that, which was in between Born and Laugh and Tornado. Mm. Yeah. Okay. And, okay. Yeah. So what and then, like? I mean, uh, it's my understanding, or I don't know if it's an understanding, but my assumption has always been that the Was Not Ones albums are almost like business cards for Don and David. Like they... This is their way of saying, hey, guys, look what we can do. We can do a little bit of everything because there's so much stuff. Every genre is depicted on these albums, you know, and sometimes they're goofy. Sometimes they're very serious. Uh, and, and But are you like collectively in a room playing with people? Are they calling you and saying, come on over, Randy. We need you to add a little guitar to this thing. How does it work? It was a little bit of both. You know okay. what I mean? I, I mean, it was a little bit of both. Sometimes we would do stuff where we were all together. And then, but a lot of it, especially in the beginning, was, you know, come in and sort of piece it together. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it was sort of that way. You know, I mean, you get, you, they would get the basics, and then we'd come in, and then you'd have, you know, it, it, it. David was the, was the, you know, beat poet, lyricist. He wrote mm-hmm. the lyrics mm. and most most of the stuff. He wrote the lyrics, and Don was the music guy. Even though David did contribute to the music too, but Don was basically. That was his role, and he was the one I dealt with the most in the beginning. Mm. You know, what I mean, David was living in Los Angeles, working for the Jazz Herald, and he would come back, and we would, then we would do stuff and stuff like that. Mm. You know, um, 
but it okay to give you an for instance uh, like like on born the lack of tornadoes you know the, the the funny thing like party broke up or, or some of those other ones empire brain building versus woman and man versus the empire brain building started with sort of with a you know a weird beat and then you know we started adding stuff to it you know what yeah. I mean? yeah. in my life there's just three things man versus nature man versus the empire <laughs> and i go you know some strange ass guitar shit <laughs> yeah you know you know nothing yeah. relating to anything but that was that that stuff you know like the, or even even on the first record skies are blaze of lazy legs you know that's the beat poet aspect or mm-hmm. what up dog what up, dog? Same thing. Be poet, sort of a uh, Earth yeah. to Doris, Earth to Doris, you know. Yeah. That stuff, you know. Hello, Dad. I'm in jail. You know. Right, right. The weird stuff. Yeah. The weird stuff, and that not that stuff was David. Even, you know. But Don's involved in it. But that was his. Don was. Don would say more like anytime Lisa. Mm. You know, the song songs. You know, he was. Yeah. He was, he was like, you know, knock down Main Small. You know, treated like a rubber ball. Those are lyrics from David, but that right. musically, that's how. Okay. Um, one of my fa- one of my favorite. Uh, let's see, mm-hmm. somewhere in America, there's a street yes. named after my You know, they just came from so much. Don, Don is just a lover of all music. It is, it's, uh-huh. You know, country, you know, rock. I mean, he's, 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 we were all sort of like that, you know, because mm-hmm. people are always amazed at how much I know about songs from a long time or this and that. But I listened to a lot of stuff and I, and I played in Detroit was sort of that way as a melting pot 
you play with a bunch of different people. You know, I played mm-hmm. in a polka band, I played in a mm-hmm. rock band, I played in a country band. When I first started playing, I was playing with a woman uh, who was, it was hoot nanny. You know, you mm-hmm. pretty much you're Joss White Jr. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're playing, you know, Pete Seeger songs. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But, but then it's Motown. So then yeah. you're doing that. And then I was working with people from Motown and, and all that stuff. So you learn okay. a whole lot. So when you're yeah. when you're putting when Don and Dave are putting together these albums and they're ushering in guests as you know diverse as Ozzy Osbourne or Chris Christopherson or Frank mm-hmm. Sinatra Jr. or Marshall Crenshaw, are you all in the room and are they coming in or are they you know? coming in for uh, 10 minutes to sing something real quick or do something. How does that kind of stuff work? But that was the same thing. You know, like when Marshall, okay. when Marshall came in uh, on that particular thing, I wasn't there for that, but I came in the next day after he did it, you know, and I knew mm. that he had done it. You know I mean? Marshall okay. was a Detroit guy, a Michigan guy. So True. that's easy. You know, um, uh, the funny thing about uh, Ozzy doing that track, it was like, they, you know, their managers were like in the same building. And that was how that sort of came about. <laughs> but the first person that we were on Geffen, which was basically Warner Brothers, I think at the time, but they, they were pushing on us to use Madonna, who was nobody at the time. <laughs> oh, no they, way. They, yeah, they were, both, they were, they were asking us to use Madonna. And Don, Don played it for us. You know, he played it, played her with her on it. We're like, hey, she can't sing. <laughs> no so somewhere there's a yeah. recording of madonna singing a was not was song that didn't get used oh yeah, oh, yeah. and i'm sure you know it's just probably gonna come back but for years and years and years later that track you know they're doing sort of uh best of was not was yeah and then they said and they asked her could they release it and of course she's like she remembers <laughs> you didn't want to use me then why you want to use me now you know probably you know and so right. they never got to release it but she was on so they put ozzy on it oh, no ozzy way. And uh, Kathy Cousins, who have been working with us, is saying she's saying the other part. You can't stare into the sun. You can't pretend to have fun. Shake it out. You can't read a robot's mind. Can't expect vultures to be kind. Kathy's doing really well for herself as a, yeah. as basically as a jazz singer. Right, right. So tell it, you know. tell us about uh, Walk the Dinosaur. 
because you have a co-writing credit on that. That song was huge. That's what caused mm -hmm. me to buy What Up Dog back in 1989 when I was 15 years old, I think. Um, what? Uh, how did that song come about? Well, you know, we Don, I, I went to New York to visit Don. Don was living in New York, and we worked on some stuff. Um, I forget who was the artist. Um, I'm trying to remember the artist, but she was she was on Z Records too. It might have been Christina, maybe not. But we we went there and we worked on some stuff. And then you know he we were at we were at his apartment. He goes, hey, I got this song. I got these lyrics from David. You know what I mean? And uh, mm -hmm. the song's going to walk the dinosaur. So. You know, I'm playing this. I'm playing this. You know, I'm listening to a trying groove ideas, and um, I start. I sang the melody to what became the hook. You know, I mean, I came up with the melody for that. You know, which is, mm. you know, when walk the dinosaur. Oh, you boom, did. Boom. Yeah, I came up with that part, and then they came up with the whole boom boom my God. But the, but the main melodies and the verses and stuff that was Don, but the lyrics are all David's. And then we came, and and it was more. It was probably more dirty, for lack of dirty funk, like mm. dirty. The groove was more dirty, uh, darker, but mm -hmm. more in a lot of ways, you know, maybe even a hair more jazzy. Because definitely mm -hmm. chord changes, you know, we, it wasn't like like how it ended up where it's more like major chords and a, it, it's more like a, you know a six nine to a seven and then and then you know another six nine to a seven seven sharp. Nine. So it's more. It was way more involved, mm. trying to make it cool, you know, and trying to make yeah. it cool after. But then when um, when when Don when they went in the studio and uh, Paul O'Duffy became involved and he had done Swing Out Sister, I wow. believe the record company brought him in, and so it, so it became as a co-producer and then that song became more, I guess commercial. You know what I mean? Yeah, became more, okay. you know, I guess for lack of a better thing to say, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But that's okay. how that that's that's how that song basically. You know, started off with just me and Don in New York. You know, with okay. David Lyric. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now we we cover sensitively some of the business side of of the music industry on here. Um, that was a big song, and you had a co-writing credit on that. And you've been a, yeah. a professional musician since you were a teenager. That had to have been, I'm guessing, um, some financially uh, nice days for you, right in there. You know, some nice yeah. royalty checks. Yeah, definitely. It, 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 you know, and those, and 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 those things don't always go the way you want, because yeah. originally, originally, you know, David and, and these guys had a publishing deal, which affected affect how my end of it gone. I did well, but at the same time, if things had been a little different, I would have even done better. But mm. those things, you you know, you you do and you live with, and you try not to look back on it. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Hey, there's worse things that have happened to other people. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so, true. So, you, you know, okay. and, and and you got to remember, I was I I actually wrote a song with Michael Henderson that actually went through Buddha Records. And true. if you really want to know about money not getting paid out, then let's talk about the Buddha Records. You know, I mean, I I could I you know nobody wants to talk about that stuff, but it, it it's a tough thing back then, especially yeah. you know you could, you know now now you you could have the resources. Do, even without a lawyer you could trace stuff down but mm -hmm. back then you know you dealing you know people talk about record companies being you know now everybody wishes it was the way it was in some, reg in some re regards because at least you were dealing with music when i was on virgin records with my band the phone shakers it was one of the best experiences i ever had with a record company really? for the royal 
you know, uh, uh, John Willard, who we were signed at uh, Point Blank Records and, 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 you know, just dealing with the, those people. It was beautiful. Uh-huh. But, you know, it, it, you know, unfortunately, you know, just like anything, you know, whether you're working a club or you're working, a, or you're working, a, uh, you, you're working on a movie, you're working on music, there's good people and bad people. Yeah. There's the people that have agendas yeah. and people that, that want to do the right thing. Yeah. And, and that's what I tell people all the time. When you, when you mm-hmm. just lump everybody off into, oh, record companies are evil. Well, no, that's not true. Mm-hmm. You know, you're dealing, you're not talking about record you're talking about people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and, and it was, you know, you, back then, you say if you flew into San Francisco, you'd meet the, the rep. And the same thing with Denver and New York and blah, blah, blah. Now you mm-hmm. don't have that. Yeah. You know, you know. Yeah, yeah, everybody it's all found over. out when, yeah, everybody found out when they had the internet. Oh yeah, man, we can sell our own records and do, we can do whatever we want. <laughs> and Prince was selling his records for what thirty, thirty bucks yeah. a crack when he first did because he found out it's it's you have to pay for promotion. You have mm-hmm. to a, a record company, you you automatically got, you know they throw they they knew they, there's a hundred thousand dollars in front to promote that record because you know whatever you know you're paying per month or you have somebody out there in your record yeah Tough yeah thing, you know and yeah, it still goes it on say yeah say for us as, as independent you know it's the same thing you have to mm-hmm. have somebody that that has connections and that goes and talks or to help you to get some tv hopefully uh, mm-hmm. magazine articles something that gets you out there in front of people you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah uh i want to know more about michael henderson but i got a couple more was not was questions first real quick sure. so i know that these albums that they make are just an all-star cast of musicians. And one of them uh, that comes up a lot is Wayne Kramer from the MC5, mm-hmm. another Detroit guy, obviously. Are you, mm-hmm. I mean, when I listen to a Was Not Was album, are are you the main guy I'm hearing? Or am I hearing someone else? Like, for instance, one of the songs I really like is off of Boo, It's a Miracle. It's got a great yeah. guitar playing at the end. That's me. I, that's you. That's okay, me. good. That's me. The specifics, you know, when Wayne comes in, Wayne comes in the specific things. Um, he played on, he played on when the party broke up, but I'm the guy that you hear this, the most crazy stuff, mm. crazy stuff on that, you know, and that that's a funny thing, but he's playing on that. And then, and then uh, he played on Boo on, um, Oh, yeah. On that, on that, you know. Uh, yeah. I can't think of the title. But he's playing. He's playing that line. 
Okay. And then I'm playing everything else. Okay. You know? Okay. You know, he's very. Rain was. You know, everybody's a fan of MC Five. Sure. You know what I mean? Because it was Detroit. I was. I was. Um, you know, I was more a fan of Fred Sonic. Oh, really? Yeah, because Fred is a songwriter. Fred is yeah. a real songwriter. He had a, and he had a thing, you know, I used to love, like, City Slang, and I went and saw his band, the Sonic Rendezvous, and, you know, and all that. You know, I was, you know, I was, God, you know, it was like 17, you know, 16. You know, I would go see, I would go see them and just be knocked out, you know. Yeah. You know, yeah. and Fred, you know, and, uh, you know, um, I have to say, you know, um, Wayne Wayne is, is is definitely a guy that you you know had that great energy and great influence too you know what I mean but mm -hmm. but I was definitely a Francisonic guy you know okay wow yeah. that's great um, now one other question did uh, I don't even know did was not was tour very much um, and if you did was it uh, just whoever was available to come go out and play or how did that work? no there was a, there was definitely a core there's definitely a core okay. musicians. Um, uh, Dave McMurray, saxophone player, mm -hmm. who's still, you know, who's who's still in, you know, whenever we get together, it's Dave McMurray, Harry on vocals, Sir Harry, Sweetie, mm -hmm. of course, yeah, and then Donald Ray Mitchell, our three singers, and then um, myself, Don, uh, Jamie Mahoborak, who's worked with with uh, My Chemical Romance and all these different people. He's a great, great keyboard. He still. He, he he did the, early, the first Seal record. He was involved in that and was his musical director for a long time. He brought me in the Seal on that first record. That was how I ended up playing, like on Future Love Paradise and Kings and Queens, followed by princes and princesses. There were future power people throwing love to the loveless, shining a light because they wanted it seen. Well, there were cries of Because he brought he he brought me in you know to play guitars on that you know he suggested me and that was how yeah. I got in on that you know okay I'm and, gonna and, ask you more just, about that in a minute okay and then he yeah and then we had Buster Marbury and we had uh, on drums at one point we had uh, Ron Pangborn who's been the drummer for us uh, Buster passed away 
Um, uh, but, you know, we've had definitely there's a core of guys. It's never okay. like, you know, Louis Resto was a big, big deal. And those early records, he, he, we was the youngest of us all. And, and in some way, you know, every, all these guys have gone on to do other stuff. Louis, Louis wrote the eight mile with, with Eminem, you know, he mm. played keyboard that worked with 50 cent and all that. And he, you know, he got the Oscar for the, for sure. the song with Eminem and all that. And he, he was the one who collected the Oscar. And everybody thought, Who's Oh, that's that? right. I remember that guy. Yeah. That's Louis Resto. No way. Yeah. Okay. He's a, and then, you know, so, there's there's guys that have gone. Uh, Dave McMurray, a sax player, played played with Kid Rock for a year. Mm. You know, Johnny Holiday in, in France. You know, he was doing that gig. You know, yeah. and so he's he's got, he now he's working on. You know, he's he's got a deal on on Blue Note, and Don, you know, is involved in that record. And they've been out, you know, doing stuff that's been great. You know, I guess huh, he's doing really great. Wild. And so cool. All of us are doing things. You know. Yeah. You yeah. Know, the core guys. And so it's been pretty good, you know, it, it, uh, but, but there you go. You know. That's great. That's great. So, um, boy, let me see. I mean, I, I want to hear about the Bone Shakers, but I want to ask you about some of these people whose names have come up so far. So tell me about Michael Henderson. I, I really, I, I love the album In the Nighttime, which I believe you mm-hmm. had a lot to do with yeah. that album. That was, um, that, was my, that was my first full album with him. Really? I played okay. on the, the album before I played on was Going Places, and I played on like a couple of tracks. Mm. But that was the first because I had, when I came into the band, he was just about finished with that record. But I was a fan of his first solo record, which was called Solid, mm-hmm. and he had a and he and he had a song on there called Time and some instrumentals and a song called Haven't Made It to the Top that was ultra funky. Mm-hmm. I just started making, you know, I knew him from on the corner and Jack Johnson as, as that guy, you know, Miles mm-hmm. Davis is bass player, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, he, he, I was playing in a house band as, as part of a house band in Detroit, this place called the Mozambique. And I was playing with Brooke Benton, you know, oh, rainy night in Georgia, people all over <laughs> the world, you know, I was yeah. playing with him and then I would take these solos, you know, you know, talking about wrong concept, mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, he, he did, and I would take a solo, and it'd be like, you know, maybe like somewhere, you know, 
between Jimi Hendrix and Richie Blackmore or something, right. you know, in the middle of this R&B song. And Michael thought it was like the greatest thing, you know, and I'm playing these heavy punk rhythms underneath this stuff when I probably shouldn't have been, right? Uh-huh. You know, but, but Michael was at the show and he thought, man, you need to come and be in my band. And that was kind of how I ended up with him. And I, was, I had literally just got out of high school. I, I mm. it literally just got out and I started playing with him. And I learned so much from him. It's ridiculous, you know, uh-huh. where, where we talk about, where you learn about time and space. Really, you know, you know the the sound, the the emptiness or the space yeah. between the notes. What you don't play, which you don't play, and he taught yeah. me more about that than anybody. You know, fascinating. Um, to, huh. You know, for, I got to sit next to Ray. Ray is on that Ray Parker. I was just gonna I learned, say I, learned, I had him on here, yeah. and he told me uh, about that. He couldn't remember what song, so I was guessing, but yeah, yeah he's he in played, there too. He played on. Um, he played on In the Nighttime. He played on Take Me I'm Yours um, on that record. Okay. Um, there's, there's one more they did in New York with Herbie. Make Me Love You, Make you, make Me Love You or something. He played okay. on that one. Uh, we The records we did later, he played on Prove It with me. We did it at a record plant in L.A. Mm. He played on Prove It. I mean, you know, it, him, and, him and Ray, you know, went back. Ray was telling me how they would go, you know, Michael was the same age as him, but Michael was playing with Stevie Wonder when he was 13 years old. He's oh playing bass gosh. with Stevie Wonder. And so he's out of school, and these yeah. guys are in school, and they go in to see him, see Michael do all this stuff. And, and Ray would tell me that inspired him, you know, seeing Michael, like, doing it, you know, yeah. Yeah. at such an young age. People don't give Michael Henderson enough credit for what, you know, a lot of stuff like they the new Marvin Gaye records out and everybody's talking about is James mm-hmm. Jameson on the track, but it's Michael. No way. Michael was was Marvin's bass player at that time. No way. And, and everybody said, Oh, I can tell it's definitely James Jameson, but <laughs> but if anyone could play in that style and exactly that, it's Michael Henderson. He because he had to. That was the style yeah. of the time he was playing with Steve Warren. So you're imitating, you know, that Goodness. stuff. Yeah. But he was really good at it. He's amazing. And he has his own thing. I mean, he was the first guy I ever knew to use, you know, open tunings like oh, drop D and mm. all these open tunings on, on his bass. He could pick up his bass, turn all the knobs so they're totally out of tune and pick it up and play it, and it would sound like it was in tune. I, <laughs> I never figured it out. He would just do it as a lark. Yeah. You know? and, it, and, it, and when we were, there's songs when we would play, he would he would deliberately detune while we were playing so he could have those super low notes. You know, really. You no, know, before long before people had five string bass or any of that stuff, he was doing that stuff on the records. You know, it, no it was way. amazing to watch. I sit at those sessions and I just my mouth would be open because I'd never seen anything like that. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and, huh? You know, and I got because of him. I mean, Ray Parker. You know, sitting next to him and rhythm master watching this guy play. He introduced me to Pete Cozy. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, all, you know, yeah. who was with Miles. I mean, you know, yeah. Pete was another guy. You know, you, you you pick up his guitar and you go, what, what, what? You know, you can't. You think you're playing a G chord, you're not playing. G, it's, it's just using these tunings from another yeah. planet, and you just, yeah. you know, what the heck? You know, yeah. amazing. Wow. Um, now you also mentioned Seal. I got to be honest, Randy. You've done so much, and I'm not the world's biggest expert on jazz. So as I look over your as I look over your whole resume, 
uh, there's so much to talk about, but I mostly am kind of pulling from the poppier stuff just because that's more my wheelhouse. I hope that's okay. Mm-hmm. But you, the first that's Seal fine. album, okay, good. The first Seal album is literally one of my favorite albums of all time, like top 30, 40 favorite albums ever. How did, and Trevor Horn is to me the greatest producer of all time. How did that come about? You mentioned the guy earlier that brought you in. What yeah. was that like? Jamie, well, Jamie Mahoborak was playing on the record, and, and and I'm assuming that's how I got in. I hadn't even been in L.A., but maybe a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I moved out to L.A. from Detroit, so I could, so I could basically, as Don Don was getting more busy as a producer, I could run was not was. We could do mm-hmm. gigs, and I could be sort of, sort of musical director in a way. And that was the idea. So I came out, and it, it turned out to be really great. You know, what I mean, and and you know, you I always knew I could go back home if I sure. if I could make it, right? And, right. And 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 it was a funny thing. I I thought to myself, you know, well, shoot, this is working out, and and that was one of the things that I did. And and, and uh, Trevor and I, I met Seal. You know, like I walk in the studio and Seal's there, and he plays me crazy. You know, mm. and, and that whole deal. And, and he, he said, "Is this the first thing I ever wrote this on a record? You know, and all this stuff." Hmm. And uh, it was it was it was an amazing thing. Uh, Trevor, working with Trevor, and I worked with Trevor on other projects. You after, did? I actually did a Robbie Williams record oh, right. a couple of years ago. Uh, I played on um, I played on some stuff on that record, and and uh, I did some. Um, you know, I did the Ali movie. I did some tracks on yeah. that when he was involved in that. Stuff like that, you know. So you know, it's kind of great. He came down to a show. Um, we were playing at uh, was not was it? Um, we were warming up to go on to do an '80s cruise, and this is a few years back. And and he came down to the show, and I hadn't seen him. It was great, you know. He's, yeah. he's definitely a great producer, without a doubt. You are right. He's one of the best out there. Yeah. You know, it was, it was it was tough. You know, I think I think that first record was just a beautifully unique thing, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It was. You know, it's just, it, you know, I, I went in and, uh, and, you know, Future Love Paradise was just like, man, it's just a beautiful, oh, beautiful thing, you know, it was like, wow. Yeah. And they asked me to play on, you know, he's like, it's sort of, you know, it track is sort of basically done and then I'm just overdubbing on it. Really? Uh, huh. Joe, Did you hang out with Seal at all or was he not even there? No, he was there. He was there the okay. first on the first session because he had to sing. Show me, show me. He was singing. Yep. And uh, and future love. He was singing parts of it, but it okay. was basically it was basically almost there. You know, um, we did the basic track, but when we when we really got down to business, when we went we went over to Lion Share and we were like, mm. really at really taking it to the next level. Gosh. Yeah, I love, love, love that. Now, is Trevor the bit like I always hear that um, you really have to work hard to please Trevor because if you don't, he'll just delete whatever it is you did that you that you like. If it's not fitting, and he doesn't, he has no problem just deleting everything. He's kind of, and yeah, so, uh, yeah. Is I that about I right? Have that problem, thank God. Okay. <laughs> I've never had that problem with him, but I've heard Good. it. You know, okay. I always felt lucky. It was like when when I remember. Uh, when I was working with Bonnie, you know, on her stuff and Bonnie Raitt and, yeah. and, and and that whole thing. And people used to say, you know, Bonnie can be really tight. You know, she can be really straightforward. And, and you know, if you're not doing what she wants or something like that. And and that never happened to me, thank God. You know, I was like, oh, good. God, it never happened. 
but I got all these warnings, sort of like you know. <laughs> and I laugh, I laugh, but you know, it all uh, went well. You always hope, right? You, know, you always hope. You always hope you're playing the right thing. I, I did, I did a track uh, year tonight with. I went in. The, uh, uh, yes, that rolling. would be my next one. Yeah, tears for fears. Well, Yeah, they came to a show in England, and they asked about me coming in and just trying something. I think they were pretty much finished. I get the feeling that they were sort of finished, but, but maybe Roland was looking for something. Hmm. And, and that song, they were. it was funny. I was setting up my stuff, and they were doing something else, and they heard me in the room over there just playing along with it, and they said, wait, what's that? <laughs> Wait, get that on. Come here, play that. And so I played that part in the song, but uh, I think Robbie McIntosh played the rest of the guitar parts on that mm. song. But it's, okay. us, it's us too. But, you know, you just never know, you know. Yeah. Uh, some, some days you get in there and you're hoping that what you, because they're not asking you, they're asking you to lend yourself to it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're asking you to bring what we saw you. We saw you at the mm -hmm. gig and what you did was not what we want some of that. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I think too, they sometimes they may not even know what they want. They just know that they want it coming from you. So you try different things, and they're waiting for like a spark or some magic. That's, yeah, exactly. That's, that's what. Exactly. That's it right there. That's the right you know spice on this song that I was looking for. You know. Yeah, because there were a couple okay. other things they tried me on, and it, it didn't. I maybe been a little too. Uh, maybe bluesy, maybe maybe on a mm. few things, maybe a little too, a little too to that side. So I would try mm -hmm. to push it a little more to the other. So you never know, you know, mm -hmm. it's just, um, mm. you know, um, when you played with them, was Kurt there as well? Or was it just Roland? Oh, they were both there. They were both there. Okay. They were both there. Yeah. They, okay. you know, it was interesting, you know, it was because we were doing, was not was, since we were on the same label in Europe, phonogram, we were doing shows, and Kurt would come out and sing Everybody Wants Through the World, and we would mm -hmm. back him up. Mm. So we were sort right. of like, in a way, helping them to promote their record in a yeah, way, you know? Right, right. It was kind of funny, you know? We, you know, and uh, and then I didn't meet, uh, not, I didn't meet Roland until I, I, he was at a gig. He didn't play. Mm. 
but I, he, I guess he came to a gig, and that was how it went down. My road manager said, hey, man, he wants you to come over to the studio tomorrow and do this. So I did. Hmm. Okay. So yeah. let me ask you something. When they come, when a when you go in and you start doing your thing, and they say no, that's not really right. And uh, do you is it like an actor would, where it's like, well, I can be, I can be sad. I can play this funny. I can play it mean. I can. You know what I mean? Like an actor thinks they have a thousand faces. You just tell me what you want, and I'll be that person. Is that the same for a musician? Or are you thinking, well, if bluesy is not what you want, tell me what it is, and I'll try something different. You know, I can adjust. Yeah, well, I just automatically, I say, I'll say, you know, uh, run it again, and then I'll just take a different tack. Mm, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because generally, if I if they came to see me, and they see what I do, it was sort of that rock, blues, funk thing, then I think that there's something in there that they heard that night True. that they wanted. But it. but was not was sort of covers a lot of musical genres, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure... And they're not really telling mm. me unless they're like really specific. Yeah. I've had guys go, man, that thing you played on the Bone Shaker record, that groove you played on Long Way Down, can you give me that? Mm-hmm. Or 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 that that swing thing you did on Cold Sweat or this, can you give me that? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? They're very specific. And then some people aren't. They just say, hey, man, just just play. And a lot of guys, yeah. a lot of guys are funny. You know, I played stuff. A perfect example is the the, the latest record uh, for the Bone Shakers with Mindy, and we, you know, I, you know, Mindy calls me up. I remember she she calls me up after I, we did three days, I think it was. We did three days, and then we had a break, and then we're mm-hmm. gonna come back and do some more. And she calls me up and she says, uh, "Are you happy?" I said, "What do you mean?" <laughs> she says, "Do you like the record?" I said, "You know, Mindy, I don't, I haven't heard anything because mm-hmm. basically with Kevin, he goes." He goes, you know, we play, we we all play together, ba ba bang, and then mm-hmm. he'll say, play this, or yeah, specifically, he'll say, can you put our pageo here? Can you do this there? Or you know, you know that thing you were playing earlier? Can you play that? Right. It's not like I, it's not like I get to go home with some music, right. you know. So so I I don't know. I don't uh-huh. know. I said so we cut we cut like five songs or whatever it is, or five five and then or five or six songs. And then I go home with nothing. So I don't know, you know what I mean? But I cut maybe three or four. I did a lot of, I did a lot of tracks where I did secondary tracks with Slide or something else or something. Mm-hmm. So, so when I finally hear the record, I go, did I play that? <laughs> I played that, you know, because yeah. you don't, you, you go home with nothing. You know, you yeah. don't know. But, you know, it's the same thing. Sometimes guys will have you, they play this, play that. Hey, can you give me something like this? Uh-huh. You know, and just because of the nature of, of Pro Tools and all that. You know, back sure. when I was a kid, your first sessions I did were still like, you know, four track. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you know, we, you know, eight track was like a big thing. It was a church in Detroit. This guy had a one inch eight track, and uh, we go over there and record and stuff. And I never, I never forget that. You know, you know, mm-hmm. wasn't a lot of overdubs. You have the two yeah. guitar players. And then you have like, you know, guys and then somebody singing at the same time, you know, that was the way mm-hmm. it was, you know. Yeah. But yeah. now, now you can, you know, it, it's different, you know, almost anybody can make a record. Sure. You know, it, it, you know, it's so much pitch correction and rhythm correction and, you know, and, and you know, I, I tell people all the time, I miss, I miss the adventure of it. I bet. You know, so much, so much adventure in it. Oh man, what are we gonna do? Song's too long. Well, we could cut a section out of the song. You cut yeah. the tape, 
which is the most dangerous thing you could ever do. Right. right. You know, you cut tape and you, you put it on the wall because if you throw it away, <laughs> well, it's done. And then a couple of days later, bang, man, I wish we had that part. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You yeah. Know? yeah. 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 Anybody, well, seen it? Anybody take out the garbage yet? Garbage <laughs> That's great. You know, you know it's, yeah. it's totally like it. Totally was like oh, that. It, it was, I love it. But there's I a fun it. to that. There's yeah. a fun to that. Sure, sure. Everything you're all in all the time. It's uh, you know, there's a lot of risk involved, but it's it's kind of sexy. It's kind of exciting, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it definitely let's, is. Let's talk about the bone shakers. So my understanding is that around the '90s, probably after was not was became you know ended being a an active thing that was you know taking up a lot of your time. You and Sweet Pea who, by the way, just has one of the greatest soul singer voices in the history of singing, no question about it. And uh, Still. Still, <laughs> really, I bet. So you two go off and you start the Bone Shakers, and you put out a couple albums in the 90s, Book of Spells. I really like the song Welcome to My Life off of Book of Spells. Yeah. Pack it in, ship it out, cross the country That's what what Laura Lee, the singer, the singer songwriter at the time, uh, named Laura Lee. I wrote uh-huh. it. We wrote it for Bonnie Raitt. Really? I wonder. There was a movie. There was a movie with Whoopi Goldberg and a couple. Of, I can't remember the name of the movie, but they were looking for another song for that movie, and that was how that song came about. Mm. And then, and then they did, we, you know, we did all this stuff to get it. We put it on this uh, early morning flight to get it to, you know, the guy to listen to, and he didn't want. It. What? You know, really? He didn't. He didn't. Oh he, didn't he didn't like it, or he didn't think it was right. You know, oh, whatever. Man. You know, or they had something else. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I ended up playing a version of Crossroads for that movie because they called me in, and I guess they had done it with some guys, and it just the guy said it just. It just doesn't have that nastiness or something, mm-hmm. you know. Okay. And yeah. So I just walked. Yeah. In, I just walked in with a fuzz face and a Y and a, and a Strat and a Marshall, and that was it. Easy. And then this that was what I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. So the Bone Shakers, you guys put out a few albums, but eventually, and this is mm-hmm. the part where I get kind of fuzzy. Does Sweet Pea leave and Mindy come joins? How how does this transition happen? 
No, there's a long history to the Bone Shakers. Believe it or not, the first singer for the Bone Shakers was John Butcher. You know John Butcher actors? Yes, Remember I John do. Butcher? Yeah, yeah. John, John Butcher and I, I started it, and then, and then John and me were hanging out, and then John was co-writing stuff with me, and he became the singer. He left. He got a call to join this thing called the Barefoot Servant, so he left. Okay. Sweepy, Harry, and Donald Ray, not that it was not was singer, Don had a mm-hmm. label called Carambolage, which was through MCA. Hmm. So basically what was going to happen, they were going to have a solo record as P, uh, PhD. Sweepy, oh, okay. Harry, and Donald Ray. PhD. Mm-hmm. Get that? Wink, wink. Mm-hmm. Got PhD. it. So they, they're going to do PhD. They did that record. It never was released. Mm-hmm. And Sweepy called, called me one day talking to me and he asked me what I'm doing. And, and, and I said, well, just come over to the house, you know, and he started, mm-hmm. you know, and we're playing him stuff. He, he says, I can sing this stuff. I said, come on. And so he started singing the stuff and that's how that happened. Mm-hmm. We do two records for Virgin. Sweepy sort of feels like, you know, he, it's hard, you know I mean? You're, mm-hmm. you're out there, you're traveling on, you know, in a van, you, you know, yeah. flying, you know, whatever. He decided, he got an offer to go out with Lyle Lovett. And so he ah. did that for like eight years. Yeah. He did something like that. It was a long time. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, um, after that, I sort of cooled out on the bone shakers. I did a couple things with a, with a different, with a female singer and myself singing. And then I ended up hooking up with uh, Malford Milligan from Storyville. Mm. We did we did two records together that that aren't aren't out there in the mainstream. You can get them from me, but they were just they we were at that was at a point when we were still it was just it was just on my on an imprint of my own. You know what I mean? Mm. Okay. Imprint called Bad Monkey Recordings, and we just did it, and we were oh. we were selling them on the road. But I never, I never put them up to iTunes or anything like that. Don't ask okay. me why. I just never. Hmm. At the time, at the time, we were real close to getting a deal with Universal, and then 9/11 happened. Uh, that was right. that was all she wrote for a while, and then Mindy, Mindy and I met in like 90, 91. I was still full. Was not was, but I would when I was at home. I would play in this club. And his mutual friend introduced us. And so I always thought she could play. I thought she was great. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't even know she could sing at that time. I just knew she could play. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we, over the years, playing together here and there on different things. And then when she, she sort of moved into her, her contemporary jazz thing, she would call me every once in a while. I would play on something or go on a roll with her and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we were doing, this is 2014 or 15. We were 2014, probably. Yeah, because we were we were. I came and and I was playing on her stuff, you know, sitting in with her, and then the guys in her band, which was sort of my band, were sitting in my stuff. And she came over and sat in. We were at this festival, and their manager at the time, Bud Harner, was like, "This is really cool," you know what I mean? And so yeah. he called me up and asked me about it, and then I said, "Yeah, it could be really cool," you know. I said, "We've." If you guys want to do it as a bone checkers, we should have Sweepy. Mm. And so initially, that was how it started. It was, you know, Mindy, myself, Sweepy, and the band, you know. Mm. And that was 2014. We, and we cut the live record, the first gig we actually did um, in Seattle. We recorded, which is the live one, you know. Yep. You know, it's funny. You go back and listen to everything seems so fast. There's now, like, 
Like we just wanted to get it over with, like we were afraid or something. You know, I just do it. I listened to something today. I was like, God, that's so fast. Jesus really? That's a great album, yeah. huh? Yeah, the live one. But you know, it, you know, you you settle into people, and you, yeah. you know, it's like I always say. You as a band, you get to that point where you where you have telepathy, and mm-hmm. and you know, and and it all comes together, and it, and it did. You know, by the time we did East West Records, we went we did East West sessions. It was definitely a different thing we, we yeah. had gotten there but we still didn't know who we were as an identity and that's what kevin shirley really helped us on Got that it. on that record. Okay. he really helped us you know on that record you know there's not a lot of writing for me on these things i mean this is it's it, you know it, it in, in some respects it's still a mindy vehicle but we are a partnership okay and i enjoy i enjoy the band so much but it's much different than the bone shaker stuff you know what i mean Okay. And, and, uh, and, so this and, is just you know, kind of, now. Do you keep like both versions going? Is there the Sweet Pea version and the Mindy version, or is it all? It's just no, whoever it's wants great. to play. Okay. No, it's definitely we definitely have a set core guys that are playing with the Mindy and Abe in the Bone Shakers. It's definitely Third Richardson and Ben White and and uh, Rodney Lee. I mean, it's definitely a thing. Okay. But you can't. It's ultimately you can't do both. So mm. right now it's Mindy A. Bear and the Bone Shakers. Maybe the Bone Shakers would be singular at some point later. Maybe not. Mm. But you know, there's always okay. a chance for a Randy Jacobs solo record might show up and Tweety might be on it. You know. Right. Right. So like, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And this new album, by the way, you guys are going to be here in. I'm in Denver. You're going to be here in a couple of weeks, and uh, I really want to go, but my parents are coming to visit to stay with us that weekend. And I feel a little guilty leaving while they're here to go see your concert. So I I might be there. I might I probably won't be. I'm really bummed to miss it. But the new album, No Good Deed, is killer, and that's coming out at the end of June. Do you have any like what's the uh, you know how are you feeling about this? What's what's it like putting music out now these days? I mean everything's changed. Um, so would they want to come to the show? Would your parents want to come to the show? Well, may, maybe they're old. They're in their seventies. Yeah. I don't know, yeah, man. I know my parents are in the eight, my in their eighties. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know what you mean. It's, uh, yeah, I, I might sneak out. I don't know. I'm hoping. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But um, all right, let me. I will. I'll let uh, Wendy know. I was going to ask you though. In this day and age, I mean, this new album, No Good Deed, is really killer. And uh, I mean, when what's it like putting out music today? I mean, back then you could be a member of Was Not Was. And your album, as strange as it was, would go platinum. But now that's not going to happen anymore. So, uh, are you doing it for the love? Do you believe in these? I'm, I'm sure you believe in your work, but just what's it like to put new things out in the world today? It's it's definitely different. I mean, you know, you the difference is when Spotify and Apple and all, all these guys, right? When they when music comes into them each week, you're talking about a hundred thousand pieces of music a week mm-hmm. you know what i mean so mm-hmm. all these people that couldn't make records before you you couldn't unless you could really play and unless you and unless you had the money to go on the studio or unless you gained some studio knowledge now you don't need any of that so now you have so much more music good and bad right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. similar dissimilar you know whatever and and it's hard yeah it's hard you know mindy mindy has has had great success in the contemporary jazz thing but she wanted to go back to her roots she wanted to play rock she wanted mm-hmm. to rock out she wanted to you know she's always pushing the envelope even in her 
contemporary jazz shows of that. Mm. But here it is. She wanted that in her life again. And uh, that was who I knew her as when I first met her, right? you know, and, mm-hmm. and then she became the successful contemporary jazz person. But now, you know, here we are. And, you know, yeah. last record, you know, you sell, you know, you sell 8,000 copies. You're considered, you're, you're considered <laughs> that you're successful as an independent. Right. Right? Yeah. But there's guys like on Concord Records and stuff like that that sell less than that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's tough, yeah, it's man. definitely a different. They definitely people don't buy. Uh, they don't marry themselves to the artist like in my generation, when I was younger. You you bought a Stevie Wonder record, right? Yeah. And you didn't even care what the next one. You you just Stevie Wonder got a new record out. You just bought it. Mm-hmm. new album, bang. You mm-hmm. know, talking book. Oh my God, bang. Songs in the key of life, bang. You know, what I mean, you just bought yeah. it, fulfilling this. Oh, you know. Yeah. You just bought Master Blaster. You just bought. You didn't think anything about it, and then there'd be some artist on their record that you might not have heard about a guest star or something. You say, well, "I'm gonna go buy his record." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and, and that was how it all. It was all sort of chained together. But you bought the album because you were into the concept of the whole record. You listened mm-hmm. to the whole record. But now people cherry pick and they buy, or they just stream. Yeah. You know, most of yeah. everybody streams now because because nobody wants to own a CD. Yeah. You know, but they'll buy a CD at a show that guy did. You'll sign it, blah blah blah. And that yeah, whole thing. yeah. But yeah. I don't know what they do with them once they get I home. They could be eBay. coasters, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, eBay coasters. Yeah, you know, I don't know what they use them for. Right. But it's definitely definitely a different a different thing. But it's yeah. hard. It's definitely hard. You know, you you're competing against a hundred thousand pieces of music a week. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. You're hoping yeah. that your window your window opens wide enough for somebody, and then you have to go out and perform. Yeah. And those all those artists are trying to perform too. Yeah, yeah, right? it's so true. It's definitely it's definitely people never think of that part. Drake said that thing at the Grammy. Did all you guys whining about this little statue? If you got people coming to your show, you you've accomplished something. Because that's the hardest part now. Yeah, yeah. You know, getting out there having, and having enough to, to hold a band together and everybody can make a living enough to stay together. It, it'd be easier for me to go out on the road with somebody else for the, for the rest of my life. I, I, got, mm-hmm. I have that, you know what I mean? But yeah. I pulled away from a lot of it to do this because I believe in it. I believe in her. I believe in the band. Like I said, it's not in a perfect world. It's not what the bone shakers were, but this is something different. And this is fun for me and playing with the guys. It's been great. You know, like on the new yeah. record, you know, um, you know, uh, uh, Kevin suggested like seven day food. I made a demo and that's fun playing side guitar, having fun on that. And, and then we, um, uh, we, we did a song that we used to do at the bone shakers with Malcolm, which is good day for the blues mm. which is from the story. I always loved that song. And Mindy did a great job on that. And, um, yeah. Uh, this is a, uh, the song she wrote with John James House. Um, there's uh, "Sweetest Lies." There's really yeah. cool stuff on. It is. Know, it's great. It, it, yeah, but it, it's you great. know, it's funny. Some guy said it's very diverse. <laughs> I go, when somebody says that, when somebody says it's very diverse, <laughs> I said, saying in my mind, no, that's no. Not diverse. No, no, no. What a dog is diverse. That's right. In my mind, <laughs> you know, but to them. 
Yeah. They think it's a diverse record. Yeah. I said, man, I, I played with Was Not Was, man. Yeah. You know, that ain't even close to being diverse. <laughs> right. you know? yeah. That's right. No, it's a straight up solid. Babaloo my mouth, babaloo my mouth. Babaloo my mouth. Give me some of that green, green. That's diverse. <laughs> you know, on the Boo record, you know. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Uh, Semi Interesting Weekend. Yeah. You know, Semi Interesting Weekend. That's diverse, you know. Yeah, yeah. Talking about the you. The song talks about meeting up with two prostitutes in Washington, D.C. You know, and, and, I mean, come on. Right. That's diverse. Right. That's strange and diverse. You know, but this record is a solid record. Yeah, it Mindy, is. Mindy is, Mindy is grown as a singer. She's always been a great player. She's grown yeah. as a singer from the time we got together. And when it's, it's like now it's, she steps into that role and it's great. She's we have good a at fantastic it. drummer, a keyboard player, and bass player. We, we have a great band. Good. And hopefully you'll come to the show and you see that live. I hope it's, so. It's, it's a crazy animal, you know. Yeah. I uh, I think my favorite song on the new album is the title track, No Good Deed Goes Unpunished. It, uh, it just rocks. And uh, I mean, for anyone who isn't aware, it's just a really solid, straightforward blues rock album with Mindy singing over your playing. I mean, it, you can't go wrong with that. It's as, you know, meat and potatoes as it gets. But it, uh, I love that track a lot. I, um, I wanted to ask you about a few more of these collaborations, if you don't mind. Are you uh, on like a time crunch? Do you have to go in like no, five I'm minutes? Fine right now. I'm okay. Good right now. Okay, good. Um, now some so your your website has a lot of stuff on it, but it's not very organized. So I'm trying to. It's, yeah, no, it's not very organized. No, I, I, I'm, I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna re up it a little bit. You know, it's been sort of the same for a while, but that was actually more organized than it used to be. Really? I, okay. Because yeah. so I'm trying to like piece together years and like did that really happen? So uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about was playing on "I'll Take You There" by General Public. Did that happen? Somebody help me. Come on, come on, come on, come on. I'll take you there. Oh, I'll take you there. Let me tell you. 
Yeah, yeah, okay. I did that um, with David and, and Ranking Roger. Yeah, who just passed away. Yeah, I, I couldn't believe it. I was just like, I know. wow. That was, you know, I, I didn't spend a lot of time with them. I worked with them during that period. We did, we did a TV show. I can't think, was it Arsenio? I can't remember. We did a TV really? show together. We did a video. And then that was, that was then they sort of fell apart. Yeah, you know they sort of, you know it was it was an interesting little record and and they played what's funny they played me the where I'll take you there was taken from it was actually a reggae band and the guy from from Stax went down there and heard that groove do 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 I can't think of, I don't know the name of the band but they went down there and they were playing me this thing this is the real version mm. this is this is the real this is where the guy stole it from, and they were telling me the whole story, and they were playing it. And I thought it was really interesting, you know. Yeah, I. Uh, but I it was a, it was a great fun time. That was ninety 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 right around ninety four ninety five. Yeah, know. yeah. I uh, I had ranking Roger on here a few years ago, and uh, English Beats and General Public are two of like the most uh, transformative bands of my upbringing you know they were mm -hmm. huge for me and uh i yeah. i love that whole rub it better album that that song came off of i i don't think well wait was it on that album or was it just on the threesome soundtrack maybe it was just on the threesome soundtrack. i think it was just on the soundtrack yeah yeah i think you're right but that i was so uh encouraged when they came back and that album's good and that song is great and they have a hit and they couldn't keep it together well enough to you know profit off that for a little bit longer so I think, how did you get... I think Roger had a different idea. What mm. you know, David? I think that was that was always the conflict. Yeah, you know, I think that was always the conflict. Sometimes that happens, you know. Yeah, with people, you know, they they lose they 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 come together initially, and you you're like brothers. You're like yeah. you're like family, and then all of a sudden, you know, it's like it, it turns into a mess sometimes. Right. You know, it, it you you said well. I mean, you saw it with. With, with Kurt and Roland for a while, they mm -hmm. were apart, you yep. know, because they, because they, you know, somebody decides something different. Yep. You know. Yeah. You know. Always. Don and, Don and David. Don and David, same thing. We don't work together because, you know, David has a different idea where, you mm -hmm. know, and and you know, the whole thing. it becomes different, you know, yeah. and it's hard, you know. Yeah. It's hard. Um, how did you get pulled into General Public? Did someone recommend you to them? Ralph Saw was the guy who brought me in on that. Um, okay. I had done soundtracks with him, like Adam's Family Values mm. and Clueless, uh, and you know Rolling with Homies with Coolio. That that was going to be another question of mine. I love that song.
Yeah, but that's me playing guitar on there, and that's how, you know, that 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 guy, he has, he, he's the guy, I think, that hooked me up with the whole thing with that, because it was a soundtrack, you know, most of the okay. time that, that was, wow. So what was playing with Coolio like? Were you in the room, or did you overdub that one? No, it was funny. He, it, when they, you know, we did the track, we did the track, and then he was supposed to come in, and then he did he um, he didn't make it that day. <laughs> so, so we did. It happens, man. I believe it's it. A funny thing, you know. You're waiting around. We think we're going to do it all together, and then all of a sudden, we well, we we got to cut the track. <laughs> so we just cut the track. So that was how it went. Okay. Okay. Um, let me ask you too about um, Bruce Hornsby. Did you play on the Hot House album? Yeah, that was another. I think I think I was recommended by John Molo, the drummer. His yeah. drummer at the time. Yep. Molo had done. Molo had played with me uh, on a project that I was co-producing for this uh, Australian artist named Paul Kelly. I love Paul Kelly. I, he was going to be next. Everybody's got a room in God's hotel. Everybody's got a room in God's hotel. You'll never see a sign on the door saying no vacancies here anymore. Everybody's got a room in God's hotel. Everybody got wings in God's hotel. Everybody got wings in God's hotel. You'll never see a sign hanging on the door saying, at no time may both feet leave the floor. Everybody got wings. After we did the project, he said, hey man, you know, they, they have a track with, uh, you know, uh, Pat Metheny on it, but they need some rhythm on it, like sort of more, you know, funk or whatever, R&B riff. So he, so I went and did that. That was how that happened. No way. Yeah, are you fun. on one song on Hot House or are you on the whole album? I'm on, I'm on a couple. I think three. I think three. There's like three songs. I remember doing like three or four songs on that one. Okay. Do you remember which one? Because I want to play a little bit of it. Just one of them? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'd have to look at it. Maybe okay. I can figure it out. Okay. <laughs> it's been cool. That's all right. Hold on. Spider Fingers is a great one. Wild Wheeled Limousine. Um, Country Doctor. That's a great song. Yeah, I think I'm on that one. Okay, okay. That sounds familiar. Good. Okay, we'll play a little Country Doctor right here then. Um, yeah, what's he like to work with? Because I've tried to get him on here, and, and this his people tell me, and I'm not surprised, he does not like to talk about the past. And his... Artistic output would prove that. He just does not go back and play the hits the way you want to hear them. He is constantly moving forward, right? Yeah. Well, that, that, that's, you know, he, a friend of mine is really good friend. They went to, they went to music school together in Florida. And he told me that he, if, he, if, if you'd have told him that he was going to become who he is, uh -huh. You know, he thought he thought he thought Bruce Hornsby was going to become the next, you know, Herbie Hancock or somebody. You mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And, he, and he used to say that to me. He used to say, if you told me that he was going to be coming to sing and that's the way it is and singing, uh, he, he wouldn't have never thought it. Really? Hmm. But his bass player, uh, Giovanni, was in Was Not Was in the very early stages before Don became like the, the, the full-on bass player. The first guy Don hired for the band was Giovanni Collier. And Giovanni plays bass now for Blues Hornsby because while I was doing those sessions, they asked me, did I know any bass players? Mm. I, suggested, I suggested two names, and they chose the guy I thought they would choose, mm. which is Giovanni Collier. And Giovanni's been playing with Bruce, God, I don't know, 17 years or something now? Wow. I mean, he's a long time because cause his first gig with them was uh, Woodstock. That Woodstock oh, we do. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, that was his first gig. I said, man, it seems like I deserve a cut or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it, but it, was, it was great. Oh, I was great. happy for him because he's an amazing bass player. But that was the first guy that was ever hired and was not was as a musician. No way. Huh? Long before Don. Don. Don was unconfident about his own playing. And Don is a groove. Hound, you know, mm-hmm. but now of course he's a different guy. Now he knows his abilities, and but back then he, he I, you know, he was just so enamored with with Giovanni's playing. He didn't like like a lot of people don't know. Like on Walk the Dinosaurs, Marcus Miller. Oh right, right. Okay. He's playing bass. Yeah. But same thing again. Marcus would tell. I work with Marcus off and on. Marcus told me that story. And said, "Who this guy? Don was keep calling me, and his manager was like this." this just go see the guy and, you know, it's work. You know, go and uh-huh. see him, you know, whatever. And so he played on Walk the Dinosaur. And Don was a big fan of Marcus, you know, mm-hmm. and that was, you know, as a bass player, you know, so. Mm. Wow. Uh, yeah, that seems like a, you'd really have to be quite a musician to get a permanent gig playing with Bruce Hornsby. Because I saw him live finally about five years ago. And then you guys, saw Giovanni. I, yeah, right. And he, um, they just go off, you know, they do their jazz improvisations. They'll play mm-hmm. the hits maybe if they feel like it. And if they do, they play it the way they feel like playing it. Those guys have to all be in such sync with one another that, um, and uh, you have to bow down to whatever it is Bruce feels like doing, you know, in the moment, yeah. I'm guessing. Yeah, in the moment. Yeah. They take those, uh, they take those uh, requests from the audience yep. and all that kind of stuff, yep. you know, crazy. Yeah. Uh, was there just weed everywhere? I imagine playing with Bruce Hornsby, everyone is just smoking weed, and the ra- <laughs> the room is just full of smoke. <laughs> I believe that. I believe that, man. <laughs> he, like, he became like, the, he became the, like, because like, he played with the dead. Uh-huh. So he became, to me, he became like, like the, the Grateful Dead offshoot or something. Right, you know? right. Yeah, that's what I imagine playing with Bruce. Everyone's going to get high and they're just going to follow their bliss wherever that might take them on their instruments. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Totally. Totally. Got it. All right. Let's talk about Paul Kelly for a minute. I love Paul Kelly. I've seen him in concert many times. I think he's one of the finest, certainly one of the finest songwriters that, you know, Australia's ever uh, produced for sure. Um, You were involved in a couple of his great albums, uh, Deeper Water and um, uh, uh, I'm suddenly blanking. Most Wanted Man. Most Wanted Man, yes. Uh, tell me how you got involved with Paul Kelly, of all people. We had the same managers in the United States. Mm. Same manager of, of Ken Kushnick. And I got a call from Ken one day, and he said, you know, uh, 
I have this guy, Paul Kelly, he's going to come over and he's, it's just going to be him. And he was thinking it'd be great if he had a, you know, had another guitar player that he could play with. So instead of just being him. And so I went, so I got his stuff and I, and I went, you know, learn whatever he wanted me to learn. And, and uh, I remember we went down and played at, uh, I think, Luna Park over there, Robinson near there. And, and it was fun. It was a lot of fun. It was just me and him. And, mm. and then we started um, doing a couple other things. And he asked me, he came over to the house and we started playing stuff. And that started where we started writing a few things together, you know. Mm-hmm. And, then, um, and then he asked me to go to Australia. I went to Australia and came back. We did Most Wanted Man, you know, which is which was a lot of fun, you know. It was mm-hmm. a lot of fun. We did that in Los Angeles and went on a tour with him for a bit. Then we did, I wrote Deeper Water while I was over there. I wrote the, what the beginnings of Deeper Water, the, mm-hmm. the beginnings of it were written over there. I was in Broome. On a crowded beach in a distant time at the height of summer see a boy of five at the water's edge so nimble and free Jumping over the ripples, looking way out to sea. Now a man comes up from amongst the throng, takes a young boy's hand, and his hand is strong. And the child feels safe, and the child feels brave. And just carried in those arms, up and over the waves, deeper water. playing my guitar and I was playing it and he said what's that and then he started rolling lyrics to it you know he's like that but uh, I love Paul you know yeah you know he, he I learned a lot from Paul you know I learned how to play less with, with playing with him really he he would ask me can you play a solo with only three no because <laughs> no you're you know I give it a shot yeah you know, so it was fun it was a, it was a fun thing you know? huh when you collaborate with someone like Paul does that become your full-time gig? You're such a journeyman and called on to do so many different things. I don't know if you are just with Paul for three years or however long that was and nothing else, or are you just flitting around doing whatever comes up, but Paul's maybe the first call you take? Well, it just sort of happens in its own natural order. Like like he was here a couple of years ago, and he, 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 if I had had the time, I probably would have sat in with him and played some stuff. Mm. Um, or, you know, if I, but generally what he does now, he, he has people, he has people, you know, that you, you're trying to cultivate the people that you work with. So mm. you don't want to get too far off the beaten path. You want them to make a living enough where they want to come back to you, mm-hmm. you know, and work with you. Cause that's the hardest part of this thing is to mm. give guys enough work where they keep working with you. Yeah. But, uh, but generally if he comes to town, I play with him, but you know, we talked recently because I was going to cover a couple of songs I was going to do. I had this whole idea of doing this record, you know, all Paul Kelly songs called The Book nice. of Paul, and I was going to nice. do it. But I, I've sort of gotten sidetracked on a bunch mm-hmm. of other things with Mindy and, and stuff like that. But you never know. It might happen. Yeah, okay. 
Yeah, I love him. I have a lot of respect for him. All right. I, I mean, I could keep you for hours, but let me just run down one or two more things. Are, are you, sure. do you play on Depeche Mode's Precious? Yeah. That's on your website. That's not even a, first of all, Depeche Mode are one of my favorite bands of all time. I know I keep saying that. Precious and fragile things need special But Precious is one of their great singles of the last 15 or so years. There's not a ton of guitar on it. How did that even happen? Well, it just, when they, I don't know, um, Ben Gross, who's, who's also from Detroit, would have me do things. I've done a lot of things for him, you uh -huh. know, a lot of uh, uh, tracks for artists. And, and, you know, I come in and embellish something. I did remixes for, like, Rome and, and all these different artists mm -hmm. I did with him, uh, you know, he, but that was just one, that was one of the last things I did with him in a long time. Cause I'm not sure, sure he's in the music business anymore, but mm -hmm. he, uh, he called me and, and basically they, it was for United States release. They, they wanted to spice up mm -hmm. the single for United States. And so he needed a guitar. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, I came in, I came in and put up the track and, you know, he said, do what you feel. And then he got some ideas. I put those down and that was sort of it. Mm. Wow! You know, so did you interface? Is, did you hang out mm -hmm. with them at all? Did you? you no, know? they weren't there. They weren't mm -hmm. there. Okay. No, uh, it's just it's just totally you're dealing with you're dealing with the guy that's yeah. doing the remix and stuff. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. um, and you now there's a few songs that you did that you played on the remixed versions. Like for instance, there was a version of Safety Dance by Men Without Hats on the Biodome soundtrack. You played on the oh, remix yeah. version, right? Your friends don't dance, and if they don't dance, well, they're 
That was a Ralph song. Yeah. Okay. And that was that was a funny thing. They lost the masters. They lost the original, the original masters for safety dance. No way. Whatever the record company band, whoever, right? So they can't, they can't use it. So so they bring in, I think maybe a twelve inch or forty, or whatever the single was, and we play, we cut it up, and then we play to it. Mm. We play, we add new stuff to basically a record that he bought at the store, and we made it <laughs> something else. Because they don't have the master, they didn't have nobody knew where the master was or yeah. where the masters was. I think I think the idea is originally they were going to re, sort of remix it for the movie. Uh huh. But so uh-huh. I ended up playing on top of you know they recorded the record to digital, okay, to digital twenty four track, and then I, and then the band, and all the rest of us just played to it. Oh uh, wow! Yeah. Huh? <laughs> That's crazy. That's a wild version of that song too. I love. I still. I love yeah, them we, too. It was fun. That was a fun day. Good. Okay. Um, and speaking of remixes, you played on a remixed version of Warren G's Regulator, right? Yeah. Basically, on that, I just take the solo. Oh, is that it? Okay. I take the guitar solo on that. Do 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 do. And that's one, you know. And then they, then they, every once in a while, they 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 take some tremolo or something, one part of the guitar, and they go something like that. It's like really right. weird. It okay. But I worked with Dre. I worked with Dre um, on that, and um, a cu- I did, I did, the, yeah, I did. Not the regulator. I'm thinking about the regulator. The regulator was different. No, I played rhythm on that. I'm thinking about um, what you call it. Uh, Didn't you let do me some, ride. Let me uh, ride is it. the one I played the solo on. Okay. Wow, that's wild. Yeah, the regulator was funny. They were trying, they were trying to ditch the um, having to pay Michael McDonald for the sample. Oh. So they were trying to find a way. They were trying to find a way around it mm. with the remix. No way. Well, whatever. Uh, <laughs> that's one way yeah, to do it. I guess. Keep, keep you keep forgetting not whatever uh-huh. Uh-huh. Was in, is part of the sample. Yeah. And so the remix, the remix, the idea was, you know, let's see if we can do something so we can so we can ditch not having to pay him. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's wild. <laughs> Oh man. Okay. Lastly, tell me about working with Bonnie Raitt because I love her. She's a national treasure. You came in. I'm sure Don was had to have been the connection. You come in after Nick of Time, I think, on the Luck of the Draw album, and stick around for another mm-hmm. album or two. What's she like? Yeah, I came in. I came in initially before that. Maybe when I came to LA, um, I think I think Nick of Time was already out. I came in and I did. Wrong place, right time with her and B.B. King. Mm. And that was the first thing I ever did for her. And I played rhythm on that. When B.B. King and her, you're in the right place, you're on the Mm -hmm. wrong song. But they did, the old Dr. Dante, but they did a version of it for the Air America movie. That's right. With Mel Gibson.
And that was the first thing I ever did for her. The next thing I came in on was the luck of the draw. I did, uh, you know, I did the I, 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 Good Man, Good Woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, you couple, did a like Tangled in Dark. Tangled in Dark. Yep. And something else. Yeah. But that was, that was a fun time. That was a lot of fun. I bet. I had heard the demo. I had met Bonnie when Don was first doing the Nick of Time demos. And I came, I came to visit him. We were working with, um, we came in to do a TV show with somebody. And that was how it happened, you know. And, yeah. and he, and she, I met her and they were just cutting demos in on a Fostex 16 track, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty amazing stuff. Yeah. Well, she's at the height of her power. She just comes off the Grammys, the huge Grammy night that resuscitates her career. And from then on, mm-hmm. she's a thing. You know, she sells out. She yeah. draws big crowds. It's really never lapsed. But that when you come in right after Nick of Time is like the point where she's secured herself kind of at that Mount Rushmore stage, mm-hmm. you know? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. The next record after that, I did a couple of tracks on... Um, Longing in her in their hearts. That's a great yeah, album. Longing too. in her hearts. Yeah. Okay. And that's pretty much it. That was pretty much after that. And then she sort of after that she's sort of been, you know, using her band. You know, she's yeah. not guests, but she's been basically just using her band and keeping them you know what I mean? Yeah. Keeping yeah. Them, you know, and that and they're all great musicians. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. You know, they're all great. You know. Yeah. I know those guys and it was fantastic and Good. And, you know, I just spoke to her, God, for the first time in a long time, just out of nowhere. We spoke to each other. I bumped into her in the airport, and then we, we just had a, you know, conversation recently. And it's great. It's great Good. to, you know, she's Good. doing well. She seems great. She's the best. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, look, Randy, you've been, this is so great. I got two questions left. Number one, I want to know, why do people call Randy Jacobs? Uh, from, from the beginning <laughs> until now, What's the thing? What do you think it is when they're like, I need a Randy Jacobs sound right here? What are they talking about? It's rhythm, time and space. Is it? It's time and space. And, and there's chances. It's like what happened like on, uh, on, 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 on Tangled in Dark. They were looking for a part, and they were all in the control room. And the track was playing. I could hear it over the headphones. So I started playing something. Which would be more, say, for something that's a little more on the funk side of things. And it worked, right? Uh, mm-hmm. In the midst of this track, it was probably more 
sort of a, at the time, more of a bluesy, a dark bluesy track, and it turned into something else. And I think that's what they called me for, is that, hmm. that, little, that idea that I might play something interesting or, or yeah. something a little bit different. You know, it's been rare that someone's called me with the idea that they wanted me to be commercial. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. You know, you know, it, it, I've been lucky that way. You know what I mean? But some things end up being that way, but that's not always how it starts out. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's amazing. I mean, you've been for you forged a music career for forty years. I mean, not very many people can do that, especially not session musicians. You know. Yeah, I, I wouldn't call myself a session musician because I'm, I'm not like a, good point. Say yeah. like a, say like that's Paul true. Jackson Jr. or somebody like that. Yeah. But but I, I have done I have done a lot of records and been lucky enough yeah. to, to play with all these different and diverse. I mean, I I mean, you know, who else I can say I, I play a Willie Nelson reggae record? I can. Yeah. Who else can say that? I know. You know? <laughs> it's true. Uh, okay, last question. I've been asking you about all this music that matters to me. When you look back over 40 years, all the people you've collaborated with, when you are sitting there in Gilroy in your house and you think to yourself, I cannot believe this happened to me. What is that thing? What is the the memory that sticks out more than any others? Was it a great show? Was it meeting someone? Was it playing with someone? Was it a lick you're particularly proud of? What's that thing? Two things, probably. Okay. Was I was playing Philadelphia Freedom with Elton John. Oh. We, 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 did, we had a record release party for Are You Okay? And Elton came and we played Philadelphia Freedom with him and playing uh, I Want to Be Your Dog with Iggy Pop at the first farm aid. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. That, you played that, that riff? I just want to be your dog. Yes. I mean, come on. And I'm playing with him. I'm playing with Iggy. Wow. I think he was so surprised that I knew so many of the studio songs. Like I was playing Down on the Street and all this stuff. Uh-huh. And he was just like, he, he couldn't believe I knew who James Williams was. I'm playing all this stuff, you know. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we were rehearsing for it. And, and, he, and he was like, he was like, wow, you know all this stuff. You know, I said, man, I'm a Detroiter, man. Come on. You know? <laughs> right, right. Oh, I saw that's you at the Michigan Palace. I saw you at the Michigan Palace leap down the audience and spit on somebody. Come on. You know? <laughs> but but it was um that those moments like that. Yeah. That those two are big. Those two are big, you know. That's you know of all the stuff that that, you know, and I've done you know, done some stuff other stuff that I feel might be close to that, but that that was amazing, you know. Okay. Well, uh, Randy, if you can't tell, I mean, you've done a lot of stuff that matters to me a lot. And uh, I'm really thankful that you took some time to talk to me about it. I love hearing stories from people like you. So thanks so much. man. My pleasure. All right. There you have it. Randy Jacobs. Once again, the new Mindy Bear and the Bone Shakers album is called No Good Deed. Check it out. It just came out a couple of weeks ago. And I'm really happy to say I did make it to a little bit of that show. I couldn't stay for the whole thing because, yeah, my folks were in town visiting. But the venue is one of my favorites in the city, and it's really close to my house. It's just a few blocks away. So I snuck out for a little while and caught most of the show. It was a blast. So thank you, Randy, for allowing me to do that. Uh, Now, the next few weeks, the next three weeks at least, are all Brits. And uh, they're all people you know. 
There's going to be two sort of one-hit, famous one-hit wonders in there, and one, including next week, and one of those producers. And we love to hear from the producers. So if you liked British rock, specifically alternative rock of the 80s-ish and beyond, that's what, we're, that's what the next three weeks are going to be, okay? So you'll want to come back and hear that. Um, also this week we have a promo mode episode coming out later this week. I hope you guys will check that out too. It is me and some a former guest talking about my favorite album of 2019. No offense to Randy, I like <laughs> I like No Good D too, but this is my favorite album of 2019. Huge thanks as always to Yan the Man Makevich, my right hand man for everything that you do. Thank you, buddy. I love you so much. And uh, you guys know how to find us. You can find us on Facebook and like our page. You can send me a message on there. You can find us at uh, on Twitter at the Hustle Pod. Or you can send us an email at the hustlepod at gmail.com. And uh, we'll be back next Tuesday with a Brit. All right. Thanks everybody. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>